All right. Okay. Good to see you all. Welcome. Um, tonight we're looking at generosity, what it means to have a generous spirit. And the question you're going to ask yourselves, and that's not just you, it's me too, am I a generous person? Am I a generous person? Yep. So if you've got your Bibles, open them up. To um, Now, John, I read from us, read from us, for us, from Mark's Gospel. But uh, I want to do something different today. We will, um, we've, we've looked at that, okay? So John has just look, looked at that for us from Mark's Gospel, the story where Jesus is at the temple in the treasury area with his disciples, and he notices something, something really special. And uh, who knows that when Jesus notices something special, we should take notice as well. And um, have, have that open to that passage if you like, but we're going to go to two other passages in the Bible that look at generosity and what it means to be generous. But this, this widow, right, no one's noticed her. No one's noticed her. Um, one, because she's probably um, small, old, and she's not of notable appearance in a temple area. And two, because she didn't make a lot of noise. You see, um, <clears throat> in the Bible... In, in John, in sorry, Mark chapter 12, we see Jesus is sitting down opposite the place where the offerings were put. Now, thanks for coming tonight, but you would have noticed that so far we haven't had an offering. We don't take up an offering. Um, we don't um, pass a bowl around. In fact, we never have, even pre-COVID, did we? we just, we've, we've had a bowl at the back, and um, which isn't there, but that's okay. Um, we've had a bowl, and um, as part of your worship, to the Lord, um, that's there for people to give in their tithes, their offerings, their giving, and that sort of thing. All right, but no one's ever passed anything around asking for money in our church, uh, unless it's to raise funds for a mission organisation or something like that. Or we had, you know, World Hope. That aside, this is also not a temple. You would have noticed, and I'm not a priest. Okay, so no one's going to be expecting you to uh, to do what this widow is doing, literally. Okay, so she's actually gone to the temple. In Jesus' day, and um, there's a section there. Now, oh, I didn't have a picture to put up, but in the temple, there'd be an area of the treasury where they would put their money. Okay, the money would go towards, so it'd be a tithe. Did you know there's actually three tithes spoken of in the in the Old Testament? Three. I thought one was hard enough, but there was three, and um, some would go to different, like the priests or poor people and widows and different different people. We won't go into those details. But people would give money at the temple into these cylindrical trumpet-shaped looking cones and they would put their money in the top. And um, now, they didn't have notes back then. That's just paper. You'd use that to start a fire with. Back then, it was just coins, right? That was what was valuable. Gold coins, silver coins, copper coins, whatever. Okay, and the more coins you put in, the more noise you made when the coins hit the brass trumpet-shaped cones. Make sense? So it was a pretty noisy place. And everyone's expecting everyone else to outdo others. That's the, that seems to be the, uh, the context here. But Jesus, he doesn't take notice of all of the other people so much. He does, because we see later on that he points out the difference between this woman and them. 
And he, he, he sees something in the temple, in the treasury, that is beyond sight. He sees a person's heart. Now, I can't see your heart. I don't know why you give to churches or to donations or to charities or whatever. I can't see that. But Jesus is the only person in this room that can see everyone's heart, everyone's motive, everyone's reason for giving or not giving. All right? So there should be no judgment. Jesus is the only one who sees our hearts. You know, sometimes Sonia and I, we've given, instead of giving, given, giving to a church, we've given part of our, we, we do more than a tithe, which is 12%, everybody, if you like. But we, we give, uh, we've sometimes just given to the church, but then also held it in an account for, for if someone needy needs something, we could just go, there you go, you know. And that's, that's just, you know, there shouldn't be any regulations on, you know, you have to do this and tick this box. It's about giving generously. It's about being generous. Anyway, Jesus sees this thing happening in the temple and he gets to his disciples. He's like, hey, Thomas, John, Peter, come on, guys, check this out. This is amazing. Look over there. And, and they look and they think maybe Jesus is losing his eyesight. Maybe he needs glasses too because when he's pointing, like I've got a bendy finger. Have you ever noticed that? So when I'm pointing at you, I'm actually pointing at you. But Jesus, he wouldn't have had a bendy finger because he's God, right? So he's straight. So he's pointed at this woman and they've all thought, yeah, he's pointing at the widow. What is special about her? And Jesus sees the heart that she gives out of, right? Because he says these words, he calls his disciples together and he says a word that we usually use at the end of our prayers. He says, Amen. I say to you, this woman put in more into the treasury than all the others. Hang on a second. We didn't even hear her coins hit. She put in two little lepters, little tiny things. That would have hardly made a noise. But in God's heart, it makes a big sound. Why? Because Jesus says here, they, put, they all gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty, out of her poverty put in how much? How much? Everything. 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 Thank you so much for coming tonight. We didn't pass out a bowl or offerings, but I guarantee you tonight, not one of you, myself included, gave everything monetarily to the church tonight. But could you imagine if you did? Could you imagine if this whole room, we just went, right, all, all me, I'll start because I'm the leader. My whole bank accounts, everything, right? Everything, just empty it right now and just Place it at the foot of the church. Just here you go, guys. Use it for ministry. Feed the, feed the homeless. Put it towards a building. I don't care. God says that I should give you everything. Could you imagine what that would do to your life? What would that do to your lunchbox tomorrow at work? The next bill that came to pay for your phone or your electricity, where would that come from if you gave everything tonight? Your next meal, where would that come from? Probably the freezer. Until that empties out. And then where? Then where? This woman gave everything, like everything, everything. And Jesus says, oi, 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 look, that's important. That's important in my kingdom. Why? He doesn't say, but I think Jesus is probably alluding to the fact that he is about to give everything in just a couple of days on a cross. He's going to give everything, his whole life. Generous, a generous heart, a generous spirit. It's beautiful. It's beautiful to see. I love seeing other people being generous, don't you? It's hard when it's you, right? When the Lord says, you've got to be generous. You know why he can do that to us? 
He can ask us to be generous to other people because he's generous. Um, Psalm 24, verse 1, it says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everyone who lives there is the Lord's. You can look it up yourself. Psalm 24, verse 1, in the, any version you like. The earth is the Lord's and everything that lives in it. It's his. It's his. I drove his car here tonight. I live in his house. I'm married to his daughter. I'm looking after his kids, five of them. In fact, we've got two adults now. They're his. You know, we have to get that mindset as believers that if, if God does own everything, it's all his. I mean, come on. Have you seen any caravans being towed by a hearse? Any, any U-Hauls, you know, with stuff to take to heaven? We can't do it. Why? Because it's not ours. It's his, right? We pass it on because we're stewards. We've been given responsibility. But ultimately, he's the generous one. He gives. John 3.16, famous Bible verse. God so loved the world so much that he gave. That's pretty generous. His one and only son. His one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. I'd say that's generous. God didn't withhold his son but, but gave up his son. Romans 8, 31-ish, 2-ish, somewhere there. How much more will he give us all things through him? He's a generous God. He's very generous. Why am I looking at last week's sermon notes? Here they are. Sometimes you can preach better without looking at your notes. Turn with me to Proverbs 11, please, and verse 24. And keep your spot in Mark if you like, but just keep the image of that, that little widow woman giving everything. All right. So in Proverbs 11, I'm not going to have it up on the screen, but um, hopefully if you, if you need a Bible, if everyone's got a Bible? All right, good. Psalms, Proverbs. Proverbs are great. You know, if you're stuck for Bible readings... For your own personal life, just look up Proverbs. Read a couple of Proverbs in the morning. Get yourself ready for work. Proverbs 11, 24 and 25. One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. Sorry, I've got the NIV, and it's an old one, so it's probably different to yours. But it's the same sort of thing, right? One man gives freely, yet gains even more. What? I'm not good at maths, but that makes no sense to me. One man gives freely, gives freely, just here, but gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. All right, verse 25, a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. A generous man prospers. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Or a generous woman prospers. She who refreshes others will herself be refreshed refreshed. She who waters others will herself be watered. This is a farming, farming picture. What, what am I doing? If I'm a farmer back in Jesus' day, what am I doing? I'm freely, I'm freely giving. Yeah, but you're right. I'm sowing. I'm sowing. I'm freely giving. I'm throwing away something that I could probably eat. I could crush it up and make it into bread and eat now. I could feed myself now. I could get self-gratification now. I could feed all my family now with what I'm throwing away. But if I throw it away and I water it, how much do I get? Yeah, more. I get way more, but I have to wait. 
and we don't like waiting. We have drive-through coffee. <laughs> you know, we, 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 have, we have takeaway coffee. We can't make coffee at home. There's no time to make coffee at home. We're going to go get some coffee somewhere else. We have drive-through Maccas. We have drive-through Subway. Everything's drive-through. We can't wait. We're sitting at the, what's it, Centrelink. 20 minutes wait. Oh, my goodness. It's just, come on. Where are my rights? We can't wait, can we? And you're right, Dale, before you mentioned something about prayer. God always answers prayer, but he has his own timing, right? And we like to think that our timing and our agenda and our plan is better than his. But this is, this is talking about, this is talking, it's a, it's a farming analogy, all right? One man gives freely, yet gains even more over time. Another withholds unduly, eats a bit, but in the end, there's nothing left because it turns into something that we flush down the toilet, and that's it. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. A generous person will prosper. Anyone generous tonight? I like to think that I'm generous. You know, sometimes there's a big, big and fine shouldn't be used together. There is a fine line between generosity and stupidity. Like what, 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 some, sometimes in my life, what I've thought is being generous actually could be seen as being stupid, as being foolish, as being unwise. I remember giving, we've given lots of things away, haven't we? And, and so many times we've thought, oh, gee, why do we give that car away to that missionary couple and their family? Why do we do that? Because they did something, you know, that we thought they wouldn't do, but they did. Oh, gee, we shouldn't have done that. Or, um, you know, I don't know, anyone else ever given something away and regretted giving it away? Yeah, don't. What you just did was you just went like this. You know, God didn't wait for you and me to become perfect or think about becoming perfect or realize that we were bad enough to want to become perfect before he sent Jesus. Like, he sent Jesus while we were still his enemies. Before you were even a twinkle in your father's eye, God sent his son to pay for your sin and my sin. Like he doesn't wait until we deserve it or earn it. And, and if you're his son or his daughter, you should look like your dad. You know, and that can look foolish. The cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to, but to us who believe it's the, what? Wisdom of God. Generous man will prosper. Say that to yourself. A generous person will prosper. A generous person will prosper. That's a promise. That's a promise. A generous person will prosper. Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 4, and we'll have a look at another woman. I just love it. 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. Um, I love it in the Bible how the Lord uses women to point out huge things. You know, like this widow at the temple. And um, Mary, the... I'm not sure what she was, but she was somewhat of a woman of the night and fully demon-possessed until she met Jesus, and then she got set free. And she was the first person to witness Jesus' resurrection, right? A woman. You know, it's just amazing how God uses women. Because women in the Bible, in Bible times and in early church times, you know, that wasn't a big position in society. You didn't get to vote. You barely got to say anything without your, your husband's permission. And here's a woman in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8. All right, verse 8. We're going to skip that other woman from verses 1 to 7, but look at the woman from Shunem in verse 8. 
All right, we're just going to read. One day Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. Whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Just stop there. This woman, she's well-to-do. In fact, I looked up the Greek, not the Greek, Hebrew word. All right, it's great. It's big. It could be tall. It could be obese. All right, this woman was standout. All right, it probably means that she was quite well-to-do and wealthy. All right, that's the context of it. But I think it's more than that. As we read on, we see there's something actually quite intelligent about this woman. It's not just a wealth. She has generosity. And did you know that you don't need to be wealthy to be generous? Generosity has nothing to do with money, like how much you've got or how little you've got. You know, sometimes we can go, oh, look, I'll give more when I get more first. Like, I, I don't have enough money to give to this charity. You might, might, God might put someone on your heart, like a charity, or you see, or you read something in an article and you think, you know what, maybe we should, as a church, give to that particular ministry or something. And then you look at the books and you go, oh, I don't know if we can afford doing that. Generosity has got nothing to do with how much we have or how little we have. Generosity is a, is a spirit, a heart attitude, all right? It's a, it's a generous spirit in, inside of us. This woman seems to have one, okay? And she starts small. Do you notice that? She starts small. She invites this guy over for dinner. I love having people over for dinner. We love having people over for dinner. And um, Saturday nights, we have a family dinner often. Not every Saturday night but uh, some Saturday nights, and it's just great just to do a roast pork and just put it on, you know, for the, for the kids and for the family, whoever um, comes along, and um, I just love it, and the food tastes exceptional, but do you know what I love the most? It's a bit like church, you know, the service is exceptional, but do you know what I actually love the most about church? Out there, eating and drinking and chatting and praying, and sharing, and supporting. Like, that's church for me. Like, after the song's finished, and everyone starts talking and saying, how you doing, da-da-da-da, that's, that's the important bit for me. And so for, for dinner, like, the food's really, really yum. Thanks, Sonia. But just to see the look on people's faces when they're eating it, you know, just receiving something that they never did, you know, just to eat it. It's just, I love seeing that. I love seeing that. And this woman, she... Um, she just starts small and invites this guy over for dinner, Elisha. She urged him to stay for a meal. And so it, it became a thing. You know, whenever he was in that area, he would stop and he would have a meal. And she would open her heart and, and her home to him. You know, um, she didn't wait before she had a whole lot of stuff. She didn't start giving generously in a big way. She didn't. It was just small, just starting small. And God does that. He starts small. Moses, what have you got? A stick. All right, let's go with that. Peter, what have you got? A fishing net. Okay, let's go with that. You can be a fisher, fisher of men. Or the little boy where they were out in the wilderness and no one was having any food and Jesus said, what have you got? A little boy comes in like, I got this, fish and loaves. All right, let's go with that. You know, he starts with what you've got. So what have you got to give? Are you a generous person? Do you have a generous spirit? Do you want one? Your father's got one. How are you going? It's in you. You know, sometimes I think it's, it's, it's pushed out of us. Like I think really deep down kids are generous. 
like generally <laughs> sharing toys, being generous, you know, painting things and giving them to people. Um, yeah, they're fairly generous. And I think sometimes we get that kicked out of us or spoken out of us, not kicked out of us, but, you know, squeezed out of us. Don't be generous. You know, you never know what, you know, if you give that homeless person $10, how do you know if they're going to buy food? They might buy grog. They might buy drugs. So we shouldn't give, we shouldn't give that person anything then. You know, and that's where it goes to. But I think, well, you know what? If I give that person $10 because I feel like that's the right thing to do, if they want to do something else with that, that's not my problem. But I'll help them as much as I can. I get that. But I think, you know, if we're going to be generous, we should give with a generous heart. God didn't wait for me to be ready for his son before he gave his son. He just gave generously. There shouldn't be fear in, in giving generously. You understand? I don't think anyway. And I know we think, oh, do we have to? Yeah, I think so. Because generous people prosper. That's what it says. Generosity is a heart attitude. It's an issue of the heart, and you don't need to be prosperous to be generous. And she gives from what she had, right? She chose to give. She chose to give. And, um, you know, you can be generous in lots of ways, not just with money. You can be generous inviting someone over for dinner. You can be generous in listening to somebody, sharing, sharing a meal with them, sharing some time with somebody, helping them paint their back fence, you know, helping them weed their garden. Lots of things, being generous, not expecting anything back. But this woman, she doesn't just stop with the little thing, all right? She could have. But she goes on, let's make a room on the roof, in verse 10. Let's make a room on the roof and put, it, put in it a bed and a table, a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. So she takes it another step further. You know, I would have thought, you know, she's a nice, generous person. But she's such a generous person that she knows, you know what? I can give more to this guy. And has she ever once so far asked for anything in response for her generosity? No, she hasn't. But do you think there is an underlying expectation for getting something back? Let's read on and find out. She makes a resting place for this man, Elisha. And um, it says in verse 11, one day when Elisha came, he went up to this room and lay down there in her little bed and breakfast area. And he said to his servant Gehazi, so he's laying down there, right? He's laying down on the bed. And I don't know about you, but lying down on a bed and being awake is a great opportunity to think about stuff. You know, just earlier, Dale got us to think about some of the blessings that we have in life, you know, and without... Like sometimes we just have to actually force ourselves to think about those sorts of things because we take a lot of it for granted. Um, like air, for example. Isn't it great to have air right now? And so here's Elisha and he's lying down on a bed that he never made that's been given to him, generously given to him as a place for him to reside and rest. There's a table, there's a lamp. What else is there? Like they've gone, they've gone the extra mile for this, this man of God, right? And he's lying there and he's thinking to himself, oh, I can't, I can't just take this. Surely, surely she needs something. And so in verse uh, 13, Sorry, verse 12. He said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shunammite woman. So Gehazi called her. 
and she stood before Elisha. <coughs> Excuse me. And Elisha said to Gehazi, <laughs> notice that? Elisha doesn't speak to this woman. Elisha says to Gehazi, tell her, you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now, what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? In other words, ah, you're, you're one of those people that give and give and give so you can get somewhere in life. I can get you somewhere in life. I'll introduce you to the king. I'll introduce you to the commander of the army. Give your husband and your, your sons a job in the, in the army. Great, great money, you know, high places, high standing. I can do that for you. And what does she say? She replies, I have a home among my people. In the end of verse 13, she says, oh, I, I don't need that. I'm actually quite comfortable where I am. She's a generous person. She's a generous spirit. She's not after anything in response. She's never asked one thing so far. She just loves to give. She just loves to see the expression on people's faces when she gives. Do you love that too? I wish I was a better giver. I wish I was a giver like Sonia. She's not here right now. She's just walked out. But she's a giver. She just loves to give. And like, for example, what she shared about in, in prayer time, I don't need shoes. I've got enough shoes. But she wants to give shoes, like new ones that aren't scuffed and whatever. The other ones work, but, you know, Daggy is my middle name. <laughs> but, you know, some people are just givers and they just love giving. You can just see the expression on their face when, when, when they give. Jesus actually said it's better to give than to receive. And do you know where he said that? Not in the Bible. Well, he did, but not in the Gospels. It's a, it's a quote in Acts about Jesus saying that at some stage. Like Matthew, Mark, Luke and John just didn't record it for some reason, but it got through the early church, and into, into the New Testament. It's in your New Testament. It's, it's the only quote, I think, in the New Testament that's not in the Gospels of Jesus, apart from, obviously, Revelation, where Jesus visits you know, John and speaks. That aside, it's better to give than to receive. Why? Because we're created in the image of God, and that's exactly what God does. He gives. He's a generous God. It's better to give. And so she's, she's like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I don't need to speak to the king. I'm not in it for myself. I just love to give. I'm a gener I just love it. I just love it. And so Elisha then says in verse 14, what can be done for her? He says to, sorry, Gehazi, his servant. And Gehazi says, well, she has no son and her husband is old. So she's got no son and her husband is old. In other words, this is a need that money can't buy. She has a need that money can't buy. And she's not even asking for help. She's not even asking. She didn't even mention that. She didn't allude to that. And Gehazi's the one who says, okay, Master, Elisha, she's got a need that money can't buy. And so Elisha then speaks to her. In verse 16, sorry, 15, Elisha says to her, no, in verse 16, you're right. Verse 16, he says, About this time next year, you will hold a son in your arms. What a beautiful promise. You know, she's not even asking for a blessing. And because she's so generous, her generosity, her generosity, let's be careful there, is piling up for her an amazing blessing from God. The prosperous, per sorry, the generous person will prosper. 
It's in the Bible. It's true. You will pro you probably won't prosper through the person you're being generous to. Like if you're being generous to somebody and give, 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 who's got teenagers? All right. Eventually it's coming back. But it might not come back through your teenagers. You know, it might you give and give and give to somebody or to something. Eventually it'll come back because God will bless, if it's a godly thing, God will bless it and 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 reveal his generosity back to you because he owns everything. Right? So anyway, Elisha, he's lying there in bed and he thinks, you know what, I've got to give. I've got to give. She's just giving, she's out giving me. I'm, uh, you know, if you've gone to a Christmas party when someone's given you a present and you've got their present lined up and you think, oh boy, I should have got something better because they've just out given me. So this, this lady's out giving Elijah. So he's, he's lying there and he thinks, I've got to do something about it. Now we can learn two things from this. If you're a giver, I want you to be assured and wait because breakthrough will come if you just continue to give because God is a giver, right? And so breakthrough came for this woman. But also on the flip side, if you're receiving from other persons or other things, or, you know, if you keep receiving and keep receiving and keep receiving and never reciprocate that, that giving, that generosity, then there's a flaw, there's a character flaw. And maybe there's something that needs to shift inside of you because... Uh, you know, Elisha gets to the point where he goes, you know what, something's got to give. I've got to, I've got to bring a blessing to this woman. All right. Now, I don't know if that last one means anything to anybody here because I think we're pretty generous. But she wasn't focused on being generous. Sorry, she, she wasn't focused on being generous so that she could receive. She was just a generous heart. All right. But she had a need that money couldn't buy and Elisha had a God could, that could meet that need. And so that's what happened, right? So in, uh, in verse 17, but the woman became pregnant. Praise the Lord. And the next year about that time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha told her. That's amazing. you know. But then this, to cut a long story short, that child dies. He's in the farm with his dad. He gets like some kind of massive headaches and he, and he, and he ends up dying. And what does she do with this boy? She takes this boy and lays him down on the bed that Elisha laid on. She doesn't lay the boy down on his own bed, which rings alarm bells for me. She doesn't lay the boy down on her bed or her husband's bed. She lays the boy down on Elisha's bed. And it's beautiful for me. Anyway, I like layers. Micah, you like lasagna, layers. I like cake, layers. Here's a layer thing happening. There's a bed. Actually, first of all, there's a woman with an outside space that's not being used. She's generous. She makes a bed. All right? She makes a bed that can be used for free. Then the, then the prophet lies in that bed, uses it for free, but then, and then a promise comes from that, from her generosity. The promise comes, a son, and then the son dies. So she takes that disappointment, that death of the promise, lays it on her own generosity way back there. And um, that, you know, God actually loves a cheerful giver. You know that scripture? God loves a cheerful giver. He loves a cheerful giver. He loves givers, but he loves a cheerful giver. And she's a cheerful giver. And she now takes what was lost and places it on the bed that she made for God to sleep in, so to speak. And then Elisha comes and he lays on top of the boy 
Okay, so there's 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 her generosity, there's a there's a dead promise, and then there's God's prophet. And he breathes life back into this boy. Amazing miracle. In fact, it's the first resurrection in the Bible. The boy's dead, and then he comes back to life. It's the first resurrection in the Bible. It's a beautiful picture. Because sometimes we feel like things have died in our lives. But all we need to do is remember that Jesus Christ rose again. And even though stuff feels dead here, he's the one who brings life. He's the one who brings life. But anyway, Elisha brings this boy back to life, and it's amazing. What an amazing testimony. Could you imagine the story? Well, I know there's some testimonies in this room about God's goodness and how he can raise the dead, so to speak. Metaphorically, maybe even literally, I'm not even sure. But turn with me, if you can, to 2 Kings chapter 8, and I'm going to finish. I'm going to wrap it up. But this is where generosity gets you, all right? This is what I'm trying to get at tonight, to have a generous spirit. It looks foolish. It looks silly sometimes. But generosity will get you places that you couldn't make yourself happen, all right? being a generous person. Now, in 2 Kings chapter 8, we see this, this situation comes as a famine in the land. All right. Now, Elisha had said to the woman whose son he had restored to life, okay, so there's a whole lot that happened since then. He says, go away with your family and stay for a while wherever you can because the Lord has decreed a famine in the land that will last seven years. Seven-year famine. Seven that's a long time for a famine. All right? But because of her relationship with Elisha, because of her generosity, because of her heart of generosity, she can have this freedom in the midst of this famine, this warning. And so in verse 2, the woman proceeded to do as the man of God said. She and her family, that's her husband and a, and a son and maybe girls as well, we don't know, they um, went away and stayed in the land of the Philistines for seven years. Verse 3, at the end of the seven years, she came back from the land of the Philistines and went to the king to beg for her house and land. She's begging. She's, she's ready to go and beg, right? For her house and land. And the king was talking to Gehazi. That's a familiar name. Who's Gehazi? He's Elisha's servant. So it just so happens that as she's on her way to beg for her own property back after the last seven years, who knows how many weeds and whatever, like maybe some homeless people have now set up shelter in her home. We don't know. She hasn't been there for seven years. But she's gone to the king to beg. And it just so happens that someone's there that she knows, Gehazi. And Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, had said to the king, uh, so the king said to Gehazi, tell me about the great things Elisha has done. Just as Gehazi was telling the king how Elisha had restored the dead to life, the woman whose son Elisha had brought back to life came to beg the king for her house and land. It's like just, what a coincidence. She just walks in at that moment. And then Gehazi says, oh, this is the woman, my lord, the king, and this is her son, whom Elisha restored to life. And the king asked the woman about it, and she told him. She shared her testimony about God's goodness in the midst of her suffering and pain. But because she had a generous heart, God was able to step in and do things that God could do that she couldn't do. And it even has even more echo effect in the future. Seven years down the track, she's now going to receive a blessing that she thought she was going to have to beg for. 
And then in verse 6, then he assigned an official to her case and said to him, give back everything that belonged to her, including all the income from her land from the day she left the country until now.